Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Is This Making Sense? Dialogues on the Pursuit of Balance, Wisdom, Leadership, and Everything in Between. My name is Eric Johnson, and I'm here with Seth Gray, and today we will be talking about... Influence. What is the difference between authority and influence, and how does it all interact with leadership and one's ability to lead well and one's ability to lead very poorly? But influence is one of those things where it's hard to nail down. It's hard to just say, pinpoint directly saying, if I do this, then I will have influence. It's just, it's, uh, as one uh, writer we're about to mention, it's mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you have a position of authority, when you get hired as the manager of a Chick-fil-A, that has an inherent written, um, you know, it's not, it's not murky. It's not uh, mysterious. Like I'm in charge of these people. I have this, this role. These people report to me. This it comes title. with that. Yeah. You have a, I, title, I have a title and that provides clear definitions, boundaries. It's on an org chart. Yes. You know, it may, it's clear. Influence is a totally different thing. Uh, and so one of the articles that we were reading, look at, uh, uh, coming up to this, uh, was, was had a, a really nice list of what's kind of the difference between leadership and influence. And I'm going to read a handful of these and we can, we can talk through it, but leadership is visible. Influence is out of sight. I think about like, even with like the, the current and past presidents, like how many of their decisions were made in a, in a, in a, in a room, a private room with some friends that did not have any, like maybe uh, status. Well, maybe they probably had a very high status if they're on the president, but they may not have had title, but they had the president's ear. Like people that have ear have influence. I think and you talk about out of sight. Yeah. Yeah. That's massive. Uh, leadership is usually conscious. Influence is often unconscious. Uh, leadership is contained. Influence crosses boundaries. Because if you have a relationship with somebody of, of power, I think, I think, I guess I'm thinking about people that are in proximity to power, like the cupbearer to the king. Nobody reported to the cupbearer, prob- cupbearer probably, but the cupbearer had the king's ear and to some degree that's influence. So proximity. So influence crosses boundaries. Uh, leadership is immediate. Influence is long-term. What is that? What do you, what do you hear from that? I feel, I feel when, when you're reading this off, I hear the word favor, you know? You, you have favor in those that are around you and uh, influence. It, it, it definitely does goes across all barriers because you don't know why someone with a title and a position is asking you for your opinion. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing. So, so how do you, we'll get to this, I guess we wouldn't get to it now or get to it later, but you, you always ask me, how do you know, how much influence you have or what influence you do have. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's hard to pinpoint down. Yeah. You know, I know I have influence over my kids. I have influence with my marriage, my family, but then once it gets out of those circles and it starts to expand, how, how do I know what influence I have at work and, and the people at my church and, and in mm-hmm. my neighborhood, it's, it's, it's very tough to nail down. Yeah. I mean, as a dad, again, you have a title. You're the dad, you're the, you're the, the, the parent. Um, so your kids are yours and they report to you in some way. And so you, you have influence over them and that's, that's so conscious and kind of written down. But like, so at the organization that we work, I, I, nobody reports to me. Uh, I run a lot of projects, but nobody, nobody reports to me. I'm not in charge of anybody's day by any means. And so I don't have a title that has any sort of authority to it. Uh, and, but at the same time, 
that doesn't mean I don't have influence. And so I've been thinking about like, I've been asking you like, and I've been asking some friends as well. It's like, how do you, how do you become more aware of your influence? Because I do have it. I've been, I've been at our organization now for 12 years. I have a lot of good relationships and I think relationship is key to influence. And I have a lot of good ones and I've treated them very well. Like uh, I'm, I'm a giver by nature. And so I'm always, I always want the best for the people that I work with and I try to make them better. So inherit to that, I have, I have earned influence, but if I'm not a, a as I say that out loud, even I'm starting to become more aware of my influence. And I th- I'm just wondering, what are some exercises? How do you become aware of your influence? I think for me, when you, and I've been thinking through that because you've asked me and I've been clueless of how do I become aware of my influence. So I'm looking back on my career and I think the thing that helps me think, what, what influence do I have is, is who is coming to ask me a question? Who when, when someone comes and asks me a question, what p- title and what position do they have where they're coming to me and asking me for my opinion mm-hmm. when I don't have the title or position or the experience? So when so if you want to take stock of your influence, ask the question to yourself is, well, is anybody even asking me a question? Is anybody asking me for my opinion? Mm-hmm. Next thing is, is what conversations or meetings am I being brought into that I really don't have any business being in, you know, (laughs) I mean, there have been times, uh, throughout the last 10 years, uh, in my working career where I'll be sitting in a meeting and I'll just be so excited because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what in the world am I even doing in this meeting? I I have no business. (laughs) These people are all clearly talented. They have the ability, they have the knowledge, but for some reason I was brought into this meeting and I have, I'm I'm sitting in the meeting, not trying to figure out what the, the solution is to the problem that's being presented. I'm thinking, how in the world did I even get in the room? Mm -hmm. That's so funny. It's total sidebar. And in those times that you're in those meetings where it's like, what the heck am I doing here? My, my rule of thumb generally is a fool is considered wise when he remains silent. I, I just try to make not not to make a fool of myself when I find myself in those positions because it's like what 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 place do I have here? But you're you're so right. I think thinking about like uh, you you were asked there because you have value and you need to be aware of that to a healthy level at least. Yes, and I think that that's the thing because I've been uh, on the other side of that and not on the other side. Excuse me. Um, I have been where I've wanted to be in the room and I've asked to be in the room and I've been rejected. And that's not a good place to be at at all. So if you want a lot of uh, knowing your influence is being very self-aware. And we're going to talk about this in another uh, uh, podcast. But if you want to know what your influence is, be self-aware and ask yourself, is anybody really asking me for my opinion? Is anybody really asking me to be in the room? And if they're not, then your influence probably isn't where you think it is. Hmm. And that's a tough realization to come to because there have been many times where I've wanted to give my opinion and I shouldn't have. I was the fool and I spoke up or there have been times when I wanted to be in the meeting and I literally was said, no, we're good. And that, and that was tough. That was tough to realize, Mm -hmm. but it just made me go back and say, okay, put my head down and continue to work hard, continue to serve, continue to do what I'm supposed to do. I don't have the title. And that's where there's this, this, you have this rub between those have influence and those have leadership authority. And, um, I think, I think a lot of confusion comes in when someone says, I want to be a leader. And I don't think that they're doing it because they want to rule over people. I think their intention is because they want to make a difference and they realize that someone with a title and position can make the fastest difference. 
but influence doesn't always when you when you gain influence it doesn't you don't automatically make these these fast decisions and these fast changes wherever you're at so when someone says i want to be a leader they're not wanting to rule over people to a degree for the most part they're just wanting to make a difference wherever they're at mhm i I, I kind of gravitate towards people in leadership positions, not, not from any sort of, uh, self-seeking place, but like you said, I value the place that change, change can happen. Like I, I, by nature, I'm always seeing ways that things, uh, seeing places, things could be better and they don't, they don't get better from anywhere usually, but from the top. And so I'm interested in the top so that I can say, what if we this, what if we that again, not in a self-seeking way, but like, man, I just want things to be better. Um, one of the things I liked on here, um, it says, uh, going back to this list, leadership is the tip of the iceberg. Influence is the mass under the surface. Uh, I think that's so interesting. And it speaks because you, you tell me over and over again, one of your core values is, um, you want to have influence over everything. Uh, basically you're saying that influence is greater than title. And I like this quote cause it kind of affirms that leadership is the tip of the iceberg influence is the mass under the surface. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? You're right. And that's why one of my core things or uh, creeds is being the leader doesn't mean you're first in line. And I wish I would have learned that so much sooner in life because if I would have learned that sooner in life, I wouldn't have tried to pursue these titles and positions and, and gotten frustrated because I wasn't getting promoted or I wasn't being invited in the room. I, if I would have just realized that the influence that I have has just as much of an impact where I'm at than the title, then I, I would have been much happier. I would have been more content because a lot of restlessness that, that people get is a result of them not having the title or the position. And, and granted, I totally get that. And I, and, and I'm, we're, you and I are both, we are both very driven. So we do kind of, we, we do want those titles. We want, do want those positions. But at the end of the day, the core of what we want is we want influence for change to take place. We want the best. At the, at the end of the day, you and I, we just want the mission to get accomplished. Mm-hmm. We want everybody's lives to be better, and 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 we want to do a great job. Mm-hmm. And if you were to tell us, hey, this is what you have to do to make everybody's life better, and here's how you'll all accomplish the task and the mission, and you don't care who gets the credit, yes, 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 okay, then all you're going to have is influence, and you're just going to be project coordinator project manager. You're not going to be director. You're not going to be manager. Are you fine with that? Old Seth would have ideally liked to have said yes, but rather honestly would have probably said, no, I want the title in position two. But me now, as I've matured over time, I've realized, well, the influence is what I want, but it's, it's taken a while to get there. Yeah. Um, that article that the speaking about the iceberg, the mass underneath the water, uh, it, the, it goes on to talk about, uh, where they interviewed, um, Tim Tessapolo. So I'm getting his name wrong. He's the senior vice president of operations of Chick-fil-A. And it said, um, talking about, it said, Tim understands that success comes down to whether one of his 50,000 frontline associates with a few, with a few discretionary minutes decides to lean against a wall or clean tables. Tim's success or failure as a leader does not come down to whether he is charismatic, visionary, or inspirational, but to whether people behave in ways that improve results, period. So think about discretionary minutes at Chick-fil-A. If you have a title, 
You can't tell people in their discretionary time what to do. That's their time. But if you have influence and they've seen you in your discretionary time, care for the customer, clean up a, a spill, whatever it might be, um, that is influence. Like title can't do these other things. It, it can't move the iceberg. It isn't the iceberg. Influence is because, because of, again, of what they have seen you do, the power that you have over them, that is a mystery that is kind of, uh, unwritten. I love that. And it's funny. We have kids and what is the saying? Do what I say, not what I do. But the reality is, is that as a parent, the kids are going to follow what you do, not what just what you say. And that's exactly what influence is. And so what I think about when I say what influence is and how does someone get some uh, influence? One, be self-aware, meaning be what you uh, be aware of what you're bringing into the room. If, if, if you're kind of, you know, negative Nancy or negative Nate, you, you know, be aware of that. So when you walk into a room, you're not always just grumpy. I heard a speaker, I'm sorry. I heard a speaker talking about that. Like, what does your presence do to a room? If you don't know that, you need to start becoming aware of it. Ask people. Like, you may have to literally just ask, what does my presence do in a meeting? What what does my, what do, what I, what do I do? What's my energy? Jeff Henderson, he's a speaker and pastor. He always, he has a talk and it's called, what, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Mm-hmm. And I've just been asking myself that a lot lately is, what's it like when I walk into a room? Am I, am I bringing the room down? Am I making the room too silly? Am I, you know, what am I doing to be aware? The next thing is be humble like you just referenced in that article about uh, uh, from Chick-fil-A or about the Chick-fil-A uh, organization, you're humble enough to say, just because I have a title or position doesn't mean I can't suit down and clean a table just like the newest employee does. Thirdly, put others in a position to use their skill. I think that's, you, you gain a lot of influence when you're looking at others and not yourself and you're seeing the talent they have, which you don't have. And you're, and you're giving them the opportunity to use their skills because there's nothing more that will get someone excited than someone else recognizing in them the talent they have and then putting their talent to use. Now, I might think, hey, if, if can you do this for me? And I feel bad because for me, I can't do, I don't have that gift, talent, and ability. So therefore, um, I'm thinking it's a burden. But to this other person, it's easy it, because that's what the, that's what's in their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So give someone the opportunity to shine. And then lastly, this is acknowledge the real contributions of others. If you are in a position or any position of authority or in any position with a title, make sure you're not taking the credit because you have a whole host of team and people around you that really worked on the project or whatever it is. So don't don't be the representative for the team to get the credit. Yep. Make sure you, when you're in an opportunity in front of, especially a boss or someone in front of you, uh, above everyone, to acknowledge each person's contribution because you will gain so much influence in each of those people's lives that are not going to speak up and say, oh, I did the editing, I did the designing, I made sure we kept costs low. But you, in in that setting, make sure you acknowledge the real contributors to whatever it is. Craig Rochelle says, when you, when you think that you've given somebody enough credit or you've thanked them enough, double it. And when you've done that, double it again. Like I try to go overboard to where it's, maybe it's even ridiculous how much credit I like to give other people. Cause ultimately I want, I want other people to come up 
above me. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to be in the top of anything. I want everybody to be rising to their best. Uh, and I think that's, a, that's one of the ways that I can make sure that I'm trying to use my influence. Well, I remember that one of the first times, cause influence was not something that was not a, a, a part of the language of my household growing up. It was not part of my early career. It was not, it was nothing. And so I remember the very first time I heard a story and I thought, Oh, that's, that's something, there's something to this was we were doing a, I was, we, we were doing an interview, um, for this guy that used to be the CEO of uh, the, what's that organization? Uh, Hershen, they do, Hershen Entertainment. They have Stone Mountain and Dolly Land and all that kind of, Dolly World, whatever it's called. And I forget the guy's name, but he was, um, he was saying a lesson that he learned from his mom. And I've never forgot this. He was, the, he was a senior in the football team. You know, he was kind of a hot shot or whatever. And it was like homecoming night and he was walking around with his mom. And one of the underclassmen saw him like, uh, you know, around the football field and, and kind of said hi. And this guy just kind of nodded to him. And when the guy walked away, his mom kind of pushed him up against the wall aggressively. He said, I don't want you to ever miss an opportunity to make somebody's day better. He could have, he could have, he's the senior in the football team. Here's this underclassman that just wants a, just even a thumbs up or a, Hey, how's it going? And he gave him a nod. And she's like, you need to use every single opportunity you have to make somebody's day better. Cause he had influence. He had influence. He didn't have any power over that kid, but he had influence. And I remember thinking, Oh, that's important. There's something to this. I love that story uh, about Joel Mamby. Oh, that's his name. Yeah, Joel Mamby. Joel Mamby, the sea. Uh, he's the sea. Uh, actually, he's Sea uh, World now. Sea World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's still moving up. So I love that story about him, and it just speaks to self awareness. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they had an interview with this uh, guy named Adam Grant, and uh, I encourage you uh, Google Adam Grant and read and listen to all of his stuff. He's a really smart guy. Anyways, he was talking about he has three kids and he and his wife uh, ask their kids uh, a unique question every single day. And I and I had always thought, you know, uh, what's the high of your day? What's the lower of your day? What was the best part of your day? You know, asking questions to your kids at dinner time to get them to talk to hear about their day. And he, he, he said that they asked these two questions and it really challenged me, convicted me because I was like, that's what I want my kids to know and, and to think about. And I need to start doing that. And these are the two questions they ask. Who did you help today? And who helped you? And I love that because I want my kids to think about leader, uh, uh, not leadership, but influence. And I want them to think about being aware of others. And so when I ask them, how was your day? Or what was the best part of your day? What was the worst part of your day? I'm getting a certain I'm setting them up to give a certain perspective and to look at their day in a certain way. But when I, and when I ask them these two great questions, who did you help today? I'm, I'm really challenging them. Not that they're going to answer that question and say, Oh, I, I helped this person because I tried it and it fell super flat. So it's going to be one of those things where I have to ask it over and over and over until one day they're going to be sitting in school or they're going to be somewhere. And then all of a sudden they're going to go, Oh, this is that moment where dad and mom ask me every time, who did I help? This is that moment I could help such and such. Or who helped me? Like when, the, when something happens and they got help, it's like, oh, how did that feel? Oh, that felt great. That's why they're encouraging me to do this. We talked with June and I, and I don't know, I'm probably way ahead of time because she's four years old and I'm coming at her with these abstract ideas of influence, but I still try it. But I tell her regularly that at four years old, she has as much or more influence over Dash, my, our two-year-old, than we do which is crazy. She's four. She's got as much influence over Dash as we do. Now we have the power and authority and title over Dash. We can make him do whatever we want. But June, he looks to her for everything, period. 
That's why my son has been a cross-dresser for seemingly the last six months because June has all these princess dresses and he's always wanting to wear them because he has so much influence. And so I tell, we talk about June, like, how did, how did you use your influence today? And even when, when, when things happen, I think I told a story here once when she saw one girl not being nice to this little boy and she went over there and was nice to him. I was like, June, instead of saying, oh, that was really nice, I say, June, you used your influence, your superpower. You used it well with Gavin just then. So trying to put that language around it. But yeah, I love those questions from Adam Grant because yeah, we do the, uh, what was your, what was your high? What was your low? Um, but those are pretty internal, like selfish kind of questions. Me, me, me. And the other ones is who did you help and who helped you? I I love that. I love that. And so that's, that's where you're, like you said, our kids won't understand abstract words like influence right now. Um, they, they might be able to directly correlate it in in a very tight circle meaning uh example you know you set the example for your brothers and sisters so you need to change your behavior you know um john maxwell says leadership is influence nothing more nothing less and i think about what do influencers do so some you know we're talking about influence so how do i get it how do i how do i get influence and i think about what what do they do influencers connect people. So they're connecting, uh, people who are able to solve a problem with the problem. Uh, they facilitate, meaning they're looking to bring other people involved. They're not looking just to do it all themselves. And then, uh, influencers have a high trust. So when we go back at the beginning of saying, how do you know if you have influence? Well, someone above you with a title position, bringing you in and asking for your opinion, because if they are, that means they trust you. Most likely, they're not just asking you your opinion with a little bit of information. They're providing you with a little bit of information. Most likely, they're they're opening up to you, and they're and they're trusting that whatever they're going to say to you is going to stay private, and then they're trusting you with a valid opinion that you you have a good opinion, you have a good perspective, you have a good outlook on things. So, what do you think? Yeah. And there, I think so much about having a high level of influence. A lot of that is priceless. Trust, you cannot buy trust. Like somebody that's the leader of an organization that had a lot of, didn't have a lot of people around him he could trust, he would, he would spend fortunes to get people around him he trusts, but he can't because you, that's something that has to happen organically and over time and it has to be built. And so uh, I think trust is like, I'm glad you brought up that element of trust because I think it's critical to having a good influence and it's critical to building it because you have to think about every decision you make has to have, has to be altruistic. Like you can't be wanting something for yourself to, to make, to get good influence. Um, here's something I've been struggling with lately. Cause I, this will sound weird to say this out loud, but I am a humble human being, but I think, and sometimes I'm wondering if humility can, can rob others of your influence. And what I mean by that is if I am so self-effacing where it's like, I don't, oh, I don't have any influence. Nobody cares what I think this, that, and the other, it doesn't matter. Like I, I really don't have anything. If, if you don't, li- if you don't allow yourself to become aware, to take real stock, true stock of the influence you have, then you can't spend it well. Cause if I don't think that I have any sort of influence over so-and-so that's in our meeting, I can't, I, then I, then I don't go out of my way to make them feel better. Like, Hey, that was a great idea. Or I really love that. Or, you know, that didn't go very far, but I really hope you, you'll try, you know, you, don't, don't worry about that. Like that sort of encouragement, because if I don't think that's going to mean anything to them, then I may not do it. And then I'll rob them of that, that nice moment. So I, I say that to say like, I'm trying to be more aware and not let humility get in the way of my own influence, which sounds kind of weird. Would you say then, um, 
the humility could also borderline maybe a pity party because you're like, well, I don't, I don't have the title. I don't have the position. I just do this over here. So therefore, you know, I'm, I'm just going to kind of sulk and not come into a room and be life giving. I, I don't know that it's a pity party more so, but as I think about it, it's like, you know what, no matter what, I think my influence may or may not be. It doesn't change that the right thing to do is to be kind to people ultimately, but it is good to be aware of, you know what, in this room, I may have the most influence. You know, I have the, I have the highest proximity to the leadership, whatever it is. And whether, whether or not, whether or not I realize that has value, it does. And I need to, I need to walk that out. So just being honest with yourself, not maybe, maybe I'm being dishonest with myself and I'm being humble. I don't know. They talk about when you can't receive a compliment, it's, it's not humility, it's reverse pride. It's, it's like, it's a version of pride. And so maybe there's, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still working through that. Well, I think that, um, talent, Colin Cowherd says this, and I'm a big Colin Cowherd sports talk radio guy. And he says, talented people will succeed because people in leadership need talented people. So if your dilemma is, is I really want the position, I really want the title, I, I challenge you today to say, I really want the influence. Switch it. Yeah. Because if you, if you, your title and your position will, will, it'll, it'll grow and it will come along, but your influence, it, it is, it is, is so much more important. You and I talk about how we're both kind of like Jack of, how do you say it? Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades, master, master of none. Of none. And sometimes I feel like that is going to limit me because I wish I was really good at that one thing and I could guarantee my future. Like if I was really good at art or I was really good at whatever it might be, some really tangible thing, it's like I can guarantee my future. But when I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, it's like, well, on paper, I don't really look that great. But I, but what, what we do have are these intangibles uh, of influence. And so I, like when you say that I, about Callan Cowherd, like, leadership are always looking for talented people or, or good people. That's what I've started to come to take kind of solace in is that I, I have worked hard to be a good people. And I look around at organizations. There's not an organization in this world that isn't looking for a good people. And so I need to rest in that. doesn't mean that, that I can, I can rest in my laurels. Well, oh, I'm good people. I'm, I'm going to be safe forever, but it is an encouragement to know that, you know, I, lots of things can be trained in any organization. Things can be trained, but you can't train good selfless habits that has to come from discipline and time. So I don't know what, where to go with that, but I, it has encouraged me that a lot of these things that I work on just to be a good person that has a lot of intrinsic value and it's not something you can put on paper. And, uh, this has been a great conversation. Um, I hope it made sense, uh, because like we started out at the beginning of the, uh, the conversation influence is one of those mysterious things where you can't necessarily, uh, put it down on an org chart. You can't necessarily, um, identify it clearly, um, like you would like it to be like a title and position. Um, so we hope this conversation made some sense for you and brought you some encouragement and challenged you. Thanks for listening.